They are using all kinds of symbology. What is at stake? It is a big idea. A new world order where diverse nations are drawn together in common cause to achieve the universal aspirations of mankind. My question to you is, in any of your government jobs, have you ever been briefed on the subject of UFOs? And if you have, when was it? What were you told? Well, if I had been briefed on that, I'm sure it was probably classified and I couldn't talk about it. When I got out in 1989, we had cataloged 57 different species. We walked over to one side of the lab and he said, by the way, we've discovered a base. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Greetings and salutations to all my fellow Skywatchers, even those that actually believe that we're going to have a 15-minute intro of music. Fooled you! That's not how radio works. That's not how it works. You don't play five, ten minutes of intro music. You play a quick intro and you're in, baby. Thank you all for listening to Skywatchers Radio, or as our intergalactic listeners like to call the show, Flappity Zappity and the other guy, who is missing from the show right now. He'll be uh, joining us a little bit later on tonight, but he's running a little bit late. Uh, but once again, again, thank you all for being here with us, broadcasting live on this amazing evening. And I say it is an amazing evening because it's actually a little cold here. It's November 7th, 2017. That's right, folks, broadcasting from New Logic Studios down in Miami, Florida, traveling via the sound to your ears via a ludicrous speed. Right before we hit plaid, this is Skywatchers Radio. I am Angel Espino, and with me tonight, at the second part of the hour, is going to be the one and only the author, Agnost. And we're going to talk to him about his book and, well, his work. It's going to be a fun uh, hour after we get through the news and we get through our segments here in the first hour. We're going to have a, a lot of fun with Ag. And um, it's uh, it's going to be an uh, interesting talk with our guest tonight. But I have a couple of things I want to address, and we have some news to get to in a little bit. We're going to have Jesse Randolph join us for the news segment. And as he always, I'm sure he has plenty to talk about. Uh, I do have a couple of things I want to address, as I'm sure a few of you heard. Mr. Um, Richard Giordano uh, replied, uh, or did a show talking about me. Recently got his uh, show that is no longer on this network. And, um, well, he said a, a lot of non-truths. To avoid calling him a flat-out liar, I'm going to say it's not truths Non-truths. Okay, let's leave it at that. Um, but it's funny because, you know, this is kind of a pattern that this man has, and uh, he it actually, like, takes things out of context and weave it and make it into, like, like it's all about him. You know, and uh, Jesse's going to be on with me in a little bit, and I'll, I'll ask him live on air if, if this happened or not. Uh, because, you know, Rich made a big deal on his show that, uh, oh, Jack fell asleep on my show, and he was using that to try to attack me, and that was all that was. It was his form of, like, you know, embarrassing me, and he, he was just using it to sabotage my show. No, Richard. Funny enough, a few weeks before, actually, uh, when my sleep amnia started kicking real bad, I fell asleep on Jesse one night, 
I fell asleep on a big feature theater one night, if I'm not mistaken, when I was producing for them, when I was uh, really uh, starting to get to sleep apnea. You see, I've been dealing with this for uh, for a while now, and I hadn't gone public with my lupus until, you know, I did the uh, Facebook Live the other day, uh, because I kind of kept that to myself. Only a few friends knew, and of course, co-workers and family members knew about it, but uh, as far as the radio stuff, I kind of kept that to myself. Um, you know, here's the thing. I never, ever once have chewed food on the air. Not once. Now, even when I drink water or soda or something, I, I mute myself. All right? Um, now, there was two occasions where he called in, and this is funny because he made a big deal about this also. Oh, he chewed food. It was so loud and it hurt my eardrums when he was chewing. I can't stand it. I'm not such a diva. I can't stand somebody chewing food. Well, here's the thing, Rich. On two occasions, he calls me up. This is uh, months ago when he didn't know how to use the software, and he calls me up, and he's like, Hey, Jackal, can you help me out? So I, I said, Okay. I'm going to stop eating dinner and just help this guy out because he's freaking out. And I think I was eating, like, uh, rice and beans and chicken. I don't know. Typical Cuban food, right? So I'm taking a bite of my food now, and I'm like, mm, 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 listening to what he's asking me. And he went full diva. Oh, my God. I, I hate when people chew food on the on the phone. Oh, I can't stand it. Oh, my God. Oh. And he dropped the the, the damn phone. We're a full diva, complete retard. And I was like, really, Rich? Uh, I'm trying to help you out, but I'm also in the middle of eating dinner, you jackass. So he gets the the, the, the you know the, the phone again, and he's like, are you done? And I'm like, yes, I'm done. You know, I'm going to put the food away so I can help you out. What's going on? And I helped him out, answered his question, and then when he was done, and I hung on the Skype, about 30 minutes later, went back to my food. That was one time. Another time I was munching some chips for like a split second. That's it. That was my two altercations of eating with Rich on Skype. And they both happened when we were off the air. It never happened on the air because I'm a little bit more professional than that, Rich G. And uh, so it happened while I was off air, okay? Um, and, you know, so for him to say that, oh, he always ate food and he was always late. That's not true. I was always on time. The only show that I missed uh, from, uh, you know, his run here uh, was the one that I, I passed out because of my sleep apnea. And um, before that, there was a couple of weeks where he couldn't go on there because he had no guests. He had nothing prepared or anything. And there was other stuff that I wanted to get done anyway. And he, we kind of agreed, like, oh, well, let's just run a rerun. And he was like, yeah, it's great, man. Gives me the night off. I'm kind of not feeling well anyway. So I, I gave him the night off a couple of times. That's it. That's the only time that I've missed, you know, producing a show that he needed. Other than that, I was always there. And even those days I was there, he couldn't go on. So I like the way he works and spins, you know, lies and weaves things together to try to coerce people into believing, you know, the nonsense. And, you know, this guy lies about everything, you know, and, uh, you know, I just wanted to get this out there before it becomes, uh, you know, a bigger thing. Uh, because I heard the uh, the show he did and he went out of his way to lie about me. And, I mean, for the last few days, and I've wondered, what's the best way to explain the hypocrisy that is Rich Giordano? And the best way is actually to showcase uh, one of his favorite guests, Jeff Willis, who's a perfect example. Uh, when he's not his guest, he's talking shit about him on his own show. He calls him a faker, or fo uh, a hoaxer, 
says he has fake videos of UFOs. But when he's the guest on the show, Rich is, I mean, he sucks on just nuts. Really, really hard. Kisses his ass, talks about how they used to be, uh, you know, co-hosts together, how great he is. Complete two-face. And yeah, other guy, I'm going to get to you in a second. I'm, I'm going through a rant here. And, um, let me type this to him. <clears throat> Excuse me for the uh, coughing there. I know it was a little professional, but I had to do a little bit of both. Um, this is a little bit of a rant. I'm almost done with it. But, you know, look, uh, if you want to see the uh, the complete two-face that is Richard Donald, just, uh, just you know, listen to a couple of the episodes that he's done uh, where he talks about uh, Jeff Willis. And then when he has him on the show, and you'll see the two-face. Uh, Rich Giordano and who he really is. Uh, don't believe me, listen for yourself to his archives. Uh, it's all there. You know, when, when he's off and he's not on the show, you know, Jeff is enemy number one. When he's on the show, he's his best friend. So that's, you know, that's who he is. Now, he jumped on the network when he had nothing. He had nobody. Uh, you know, PSN, because of the, the exposure he got here, and let's be honest, Fringe FM, you know, took a liking to him and to his show because of PSN. He gained that network. He gained the listeners and friends like Dino, Sonia, Zod Ryder, and many others who have become friends and fans and listeners uh, because of PSN myself, PSN and myself, I should say, uh, people who would never have heard of him otherwise. So that's the thanks I get for uh, taking him under my wing when he needed somebody to help him out and, uh, you know, be a friend, which is all I did. And, uh, you know, it's funny that for my friendship and all that I did for the guy, he spent four weeks behind my back talking crap to the owner of uh, Fringe FM. And I had to find that. I found that out from Rich's, uh, his own mouth. Rich told me himself they were talking about me for four weeks. So, look, he's a one-trick pony. He needed help. And, uh, you know, I gave him some help, and he backstabbed me, and this is what it is. And now he's on his show talking all that nonsense. But, you know what, we're moving forward because uh, I've spent already – the uh, good amount of 12 uh, minutes on the air and uh, too much about Rich. So that's me answering back. It It is what it is. You know, he is a phony. He's a fake. He's a fraud. And, uh, you know, I'm sorry that I associated myself with him. I apologize to the uh, listeners on PSN Radio for uh, ever exposing them to that person. Uh, he'll never be back on this network again. And, uh, no, I'm not dropping the network, Rich. By the way, he's he's like, oh, I heard it through the grapevine that he was maybe going to close the network down. I told you that I was thinking about closing the network down, you doofus, you putz. I'm the grapevine that told him. You can't even get that right. Jackass. Now, I'm going to be joined here by my hetero radio life mate, the one and only Mr. Alan Weiler. Okay, we're live with Mr. Alan Weiler, who's finally joining us. Alan, how the hell are you? Oh, oh hold on, hold, hold on, hold on. We can't hear you. Hold on, hold on. Since you weren't here for a sound check, there's uh, always, you know, bound to be a mistake or two. But there you go. I think you're live now. Say hi to the audience, yes. Alan. Uh, hi, audience. Uh, there can we you go. Hear me? Uh, yeah, all right. Wait, wait. Now you're coming in clear. Well, um, sorry for the delay. I am in the middle of L.A., known as Lower Alabama. Uh, here. What the hell are you uh, doing in Bama? I am here at the National Dothan Peanut Festival. The what? The who and the what? Festival? What? It is the National Peanut Festival. Okay, well, it's perfect for you, I guess. Uh, peanuts? Yes, I know I'm already nuts, so yeah, yes. I know that joke yes, is coming yes. along. All right. All right, yeah, that's that's where <laughs> I am right now. 
in the middle of Dothan, Alabama. Fun little place. Uh, population about a hundred thousand people in this area in the city. Uh, it's interesting. Um, one of the guys was telling me earlier today that he was abducted by an alien. Oh boy. Yep. Was he and, was he probed in the right places? Uh, no, he wasn't probed, but he did tell me that they Damn used it. a tractor beam on him. They did use a tractor beam on him, and you know how he did knew they suck him in like. No, no, no. It was a John no. Deere tractor beam. Oh, nice. It was green, and it said John Deere on it. Nice. Deer yeah. So what did I miss <laughs> in the opening minutes? Tell me, tell me, tell me. Oh, we just had some fun, uh, you know, uh, talking about Rich Giordano and uh, the meltdown and the oh, uh, I, show we did. And uh, you just, you'll hear it in the archives. I don't want to go how over did the meltdown? Again. Give me the short version. How did the meltdown go over in the end? It, in the end, he uh, he got it in the end. Let's okay. just leave it at that. Let's leave it at that. Um, you know, we, I spent too much time already talking about Rich, and uh, I'm right. done with the guy. I mean, the guy's a backstabber. It is what it is. You know, go and listen to the archive later. You'll find out all the details. Uh, but I do want to get on with the show because we have a hell of a show tonight, dude. We have really? Eric Nost on the, on the show, and I know you're probably not too familiar with this gentleman and what he's written. And uh, his work, because I know you, you you read a lot, but mostly his comic books and. Uh, no, I read other stuff too, you know. but thank you. Yeah, graphic for novels. It. Right. Books written by Arnold Schwarzenegger. I don't know why you read that. I. I don't read Schwarzenegger books, but okay, we'll just agree. <laughs> we'll agree to disagree. How about that? All right, so we're gonna be we're gonna be talking to him tonight. Okay, what else we got on the schedule tonight? Uh we have uh, joining us in a couple seconds here. We're gonna bring in the one, the only. The sassy Jesse Randolph. Ooh, yay, Jesse Randolph. He's always fun to talk to. Let's add him to the group, actually, because I know he's eager to say something. I'm just looking forward to see who's going to talk to us about uh, the JFK files that were released. Oh, we have uh, we have somebody coming in on, on that on that for uh, the next couple of weeks. Actually, we're going to be talking heavily about oh. that. Uh, one man, of course, is uh, Robert Morningstar is going to join us and talk about those files. But I have a couple other things uh, concerning those files that I want to get to later on in the next few weeks. But right now, All Jesse right. Randolph is here. Jesse, what's Jesse. up, buddy? Welcome to the show. Hey, guys. How are you? Excellent. How are you tonight? What's going on? What's the well, good news and good word? The good word is that it is very cold here in Oregon, and I don't nice. know that I can beat... The Peanut Festival, as far as excitement, so yeah, I'm telling you, <laughs> but it, it, it's it's an amazing thing. I mean, the thing is, every week, one of the reasons I tune into this show Just is to find right. out where you are. <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's amazing. So hats off to you, Seth, because uh, man, you you get out there, you you're a hustler, and I dig it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Interesting. I mean, it's it... been an interesting show. I actually had so I was demonstrating a really interesting device today, and I actually remember this is Alabama. I actually had someone ask me, "Does it use electricity?" <laughs> and, 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 and my answer was, "No, sir. It is a three gerbil unit, but you have to buy the wheel." <laughs> and, and then he had to think about it. And the sad part was I was on the microphone at the time, and I had people looking at me and laughing like you couldn't believe. I'm like, now, no, here's sir. the crazy part, guys. I've known this person for a good 
what, 15 years now? And a half, yeah. And he would say that to somebody. Like, oh, yeah. That's not a joke. Absolutely in a heartbeat, yeah. He would look them dead in the face I and he would it. say it word for word. Face. Yep. Wow. I'm like, no, sir. I'm like, no, sir. This is a three gerbil unit, but you gotta buy the wheel. And he's looking at me there. He's like, uh, okay. How do I proceed? And I'm like, yes, sir. It does. It does come. It does need electricity. There is a plug for it. Yes. And it it, it was just so entertaining. I was just, yeah. It was just. See, that's the thing about you, Seth, is that you. Every time I hear one of your stories, it always seems like you're having a a pretty good time. Yeah, I enjoy my life. I enjoy my lifestyle. Um, Yeah, it's good. Um, You know, things could be better, but things could be a hell of a lot worse, especially in this economy. Good for you, man. Well, let's get let's get on with it, boys. Uh, Let's get on some uh, some news. What do you say? Absolutely. Okay, give us some news. All right, okay, we're gentlemen. We're going to play a little intro news, music news. And uh, as I say that, this uh, week's news, of course, is brought to you by PSN Radio and Black Swamp Radio, or Black Swamp Digital Radio, who uh, now carries the show also, guys. Uh, so and Gerbils uh, on a Wheel. Gerbils on a Wheel, yes. So uh, shout-outs to a Black Swamp Digital Radio and, of course, PSN Radio, who is our number one station. And uh, number one and number two usually go together pretty well. Woo-hoo. I was just saying. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. What do we have for the news this week, Mr. Randolph? Okay. News is vast and growing by the moment. Uh, if you have any questions about what's going on with JFK Files, I urge you, I know you have stuff coming up, Angel, and I know you have one of the leading experts that your buddies with for years coming probably on i'm i'm guessing uh and if you don't know who i'm talking about i want you to take a look at what dark journalist has been doing uh having some fantastic interviews and trying to sort it all out so please go check that out uh i think he is definitely one of the uh last saving graces um kind of like ufo radio there's just a handful of shows that you can count on this being one of them uh, I, I think he is the new guard, dark journalist. So hats off to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the news tonight, uh, first off, our first story is coming via UFO Digest, which is run by the uh, Honorable uh, Mr. Morningstar. And yep. he's got a new story on here, a new column, uh, I'm sorry, a new article that is uh, somewhat disappointing, guys. I don't know if you knew this, and you might uh, I know you know the gentleman, a guy by the name of Norio Hayakawa, which everyone oh, yeah. here should yep. uh, obviously has probably either broken bread with or has watched his videos. This is a guy who was on the front end of exposing Area 51 and what was within. Uh, his final comments, my final comments on the UFO phenomena, which is a new uh, article from him explaining a lot of cool stuff, but then – taking quite a religious twist, a Bible-esque, have you, uh, twist uh, to solving the enigma that we uh, long to solve. And I found that quite disappointing. So uh, apparently he definitely sees uh, the fact that these beings visiting our planet for years and centuries and since the beginning of time are most probably intertwined with... Satan. 
So go ahead and check that article out. Yes. (laughs) Satan? Yeah. So Norio, I don't know what happened, but maybe he was always into that, but it's kind of disappointing. Sounds like Norio Hasekawa has jumped a shark. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah. Okay, moving right along, gentlemen. He found God and, you know. (laughs) You know, here's here's the thing, though, and uh, I don't know if you guys have seen – uh, children's uh, last year of the children. Somebody, it's a miniseries that ran on Sci-Fi. Uh, I'll find out the name in a second. Childhood's End. Childhood's Yes, that's the one. Where an alien race comes down and uh, they give us Utopia, and uh, but they don't disclose what they look like. And at the very end of you know this Utopia, before the next evolution of mankind, they disclose what they look like to us. And the reason they didn't disclose themselves is because they literally look like Satan. What we would perceive Satan to look like. And I love that series, by the way. It was great, right? Great miniseries. And, uh, you know, so when I hear, you know, Norio talk about this and say what he just said, yes, it sounds crazy. Yes, it sounds completely off the wall. But, you know, there could be a race of aliens out there that, you know, maybe the Anunnaki do look like, for example, the like uh, Satan type of creature. I mean, they look reptilian, supposedly, right? That's what that's the, the common uh, lore of what the Anunnaki look like. Well, maybe they are kind of Satan-looking, you know, beings that kind of look like what we were perceived Satan to look like. I don't know. But I don't think that's Satan possibly. himself, though. Yeah, I don't know well, Satan quite himself, possibly, if I were, if I were uh, uh, a, a listener right now, I would say, hey, why don't you guys have Norio on in the next couple of weeks and have him explain this article? So, not a bad idea if we not a bad idea. Yeah. Well, I, 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 it's funny. I was trying to get him on the show before, and once he committed, he's like, yeah, I'll be on the show. And then like the week of the show, he's like, no, I can't be on the show. And then I tried to rebook him, and he was busy for like the next 365 days, which I don't know what that means. but uh... Well, uh, very very often he does have <laughs> karaoke gigs. So yes, he that's does. something I do know about yeah. him. <laughs> Let's move along, gentlemen. I know it's a power-packed evening, and there's yes. a lot to talk about. Now, of course... The story that is the one to discuss everywhere in ufology for the past, what, two-plus weeks now is the Tom DeLong to the oh, yeah. Stars Academy company that has launched with a panel, a board of directors who looks like a who's who in creepiness, Mulderville. Um, and Mulderville. No, one, <laughs> no one seems to be able to figure out what the hell this thing is but what we do know are a few things now if you haven't checked this presentation out which i'm guessing other guy may not have yet no uh, i've been working the peanut festival and you get a pass for that but for everyone else you don't get a pass this is the story possibly of the millennia for ufology you must sit down and watch this to the stars academy presentation basically a venture capital pitch that they did a couple of weeks ago where they asked people to donate, not donate, buy shares in the company. It was a public offering, still is, for $200 uh, a pop, and you couldn't go in for any less. I don't know how they got to that number, but that's what it was, and they have raised close to, I believe, $1.6 million and growing to this day. Now, the interesting news that has come about since this, obviously, Tom DeLonge has since gone on to do interviews with Joe Rogan, which was a total fiasco from start really? to finish. It was probably one of the most embarrassing moments I've seen in ufology for a so-called researcher or someone who knows what they're talking about. Even Joe, 
who is someone who really likes to buddy up with his guests, asked pertinent questions, poignant questions, questions that made sense. Why you? Why Tom DeLonge? What is so special about you? It is a must-listen to. Tom DeLonge failed on many fronts during that interview to try to solidify his base in understanding what the hell this To the Stars Academy is really all about. Now, right. according to Tom, he is building a company where half of the company is going to be dedicated to creating technology, i.e. a ship that they're going to build to travel interstellar. Okay, And he, they have a host of colorful characters involved. Uh, some of which have some incredible track records that claim to be in, and they have signed up, and they are part of the board, and they were represented at this meeting. The other half of this initiative seems to be Tom DeLong Entertainment Projects, which makes no sense from the get-go to have a science-based company and an entertainment company mushed together. The reasons that Tom explained for this avenue of entertainment associated with the science is because they need to make films, apparently, according to Tom, and stories to address these topics to the dummy public who don't know anything. And they are going to have to take these things in short bursts of entertainment to be able to understand it. It is demoralizing. It's demeaning to anyone in ufology, this interview. I urge you to watch it. This sounds, smells like a stinking, rotting corpse. To the Stars Academy is a red flag in Randolph's opinion. That is my warning. There are multiple people working on this behind the scenes, finding out the data involved in the financials. There are multiple people who are already pointing out that $1.7 million is probably enough to buy you a hatch cover on an airplane. <laughs> yeah. There are more, there are multiple people. Is that all they on, raised? As of right now. I mean, yeah. as you understand that to build a ship that goes through the stars, you're talking about trillions of dollars easy. Well, yeah. there's something else that's a major problem, gentlemen, and I have to voice it. Everyone who has watched this presentation is Perplexed. The reason they are perplexed is because these honchos, these big honchos that Tom uh-huh. has been shooting around, some of them, most of them, are the enemy that we've looked at for years in ufology. Mm. These are the guys in the know. These are the guys from Skunk Works. These are the guys from the CIA. If there is something to ufology, these people have to know. So what they're tr- planning on doing is redundant anyway. Because everyone knows that they already have stuff like this. So it doesn't make any sense. So either A, they're lying, they're using Tom, and he is so out of it and so starstruck that he thinks that he is so special and he has, quote, figured it out. And that's why they approached him. Okay? Mm. Or – I'm not buying that one, no. No. Right. And many people are saying this is some sort of – Soft disclosure event, and this is the beginning stages of getting information out the way they want it to come out. Right. That is another working theory, but there are many, and I urge all of you to write, Angel, with your theory. Perhaps Mm. we can even do a show one night, and I'd be happy to sit in. Uh, I, I know people on a very high level at this point in both regular journalistic 
avenues and alternative media that are actively pursuing information on what the hell is really going on, which makes this all the more a mystery. Publicity stunt, maybe? No, this is beyond a publicity stunt at this point. I mean... It's it, the weirdest thing that's ever happened to ufology. Because it, it doesn't yeah. make any sense that a third-rate punk rock musician mm. ha- is tooting that he owns an aerospace firm that has a film uh, avenue to it, an angle. And when asked why these people would need Tom, besides the fact that he's quote-unquote figured it out... It's also because they don't know how to make movies and entertainment. They don't know how to get messages across. When you say that he's figured it out, what exactly has he figured out? Well, that's the other interesting part, Angel. I'm glad you brought that up because most of the the Rogan interview, every time Rogan would ask that particular question, Tom would say, it's in my book. Read the book, Secret Machine. Ah, there it is. Uh, Every avenue you go down, this looks like a money pull. Whether it's a backpack you can purchase as we speak, there are mm-hmm. two the Stars Academy backpacks available. This is smelly. It's not as smelly as a Gaia production. It's not as smelly <laughs> as a Corey Good. Yeah, I, I yeah, mean yeah. that's you know, Corey Good goes in the Jonathan Reed pile. That's just garbage. You know, I always find it funny when celebrities come into ufology and, and try to insert themselves, how they immediately, you know, find a way to sell something. Remember a few years ago when Dan Aykroyd jumped in with his uh, spiel on and his uh, thoughts, and next you know, oh, I got the, the Skull Vodka. Everybody, buy my Skull Vodka. Always has something to sell. Well, Angel, you know what? When I was a struggling musician in my early teens, I mean my late teens and early 20s, uh, I had a couple people I trusted. And in L.A., that's hard to find. Yes. And they said to me, there's oh, something yeah. you must know right off the bat. If anyone is ever asking you for a dollar, they're mm-hmm. not legitimate. Correct. Same goes for ufology folks. Wake mm-hmm. the F up. There are people that think this is fantastic. They have already donated. Again, it's not a donation. It's buying stock, <laughs> okay, which is a joke. But there are plenty of people that are giving their hard-earned money again to one of these scam, ridiculous companies, just I'm like gonna have to buy a, I'm going to have to buy a crater and have it named after me now. Exactly. On the moon. Please do. Anyways, uh, you know, here's another thing to think about in, in passing of this story, and, and it really is worth noting that this story has just taken everybody uh, aback. Uh, mm. From the, the experts don't know what to say. Guys like Dolan, Linda Howe. Um, even George Knapp, who's buddy-buddy with Tom. I don't think any of them know what to say after this presentation. That's how weird it was. We're going to have to listen to that presentation. one. Yeah, I know I'm kind of pushing this. along, but I tell you, I was up at 4 in the morning watching it twice. Then, wow. in the past week, after the Rogan debacle, and it was a debacle, if anything. That's what we're please, calling it now, okay. Please watch that interview. Tom has also released two-plus videos I found via Twitter with him obviously agitated that people aren't, quote-unquote, getting it. He doesn't feel – it's obvious he's either, A, having a midlife crisis. He really believes he's Fox Mulder, and it is (laughs) very strange. Shame on Open Minds for naming him Ufology Researcher of the Year. They have mm-hmm. some serious mud on their hands, 
I think they should hire Jan Harzen for their board of directors. Uh, th- this could be Mirage Man number two right here. Guys, think about this. Correct. Uh, that Correct. could be what's Good going point. on here. That could be what's going on here. And Paul Benowitz might be joined by uh, uh, DeLong over here pretty soon in, uh, in the files of uh, soon-to-be-deceased people who got brainwashed. Uh, this, I mean, I don't know if, he, if he's having a midlife crisis or they're just messing with him or what's going on, but this definitely has red flags all over the place. I, I completely agree. And by the way, speaking of No one can people, understand. Oh, oh, hold on. Let's take, uh, go ahead, Jesse. I said no one can understand it, Angel. No one can understand. It's almost like Pee Wee Herman Mm -hmm. hanging out with the guys from Lockheed in Scotland. (laughs) I mean, the perfect question. The perfect question is why? Why you, Delong? Why? Why you? And we can't answer that. You know, that's you know, that's enough right there. Please answer that one for the community. That would be great. Um, You know, know, it's easy to take on charlatans. Yes, but you know, it's easy to take on frauds. Mm-hmm. But it's not easy to take this one on because you have no idea why people like Hal put off. And, you know, that's the guy who created remote viewing for the, the Army. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got patents. He's got Nobel nominations and things like that. Why they're standing on a stage saying Tom's the CEO, Tom DeLong of Blink-182. We feel really confident about Tom, who has this terrible-looking suit on, looks very frumpy, Doing this weird pitch. I mean, it is a must. It is pizza worthy. I, I could go obviously on and on about this. I have about pages worth. Joe from the Carolinas, dark journalist. Everyone is looking at this gentleman. Please do a show about this soon. Definitely. I'm gonna. Uh, look, I'm gonna be looking at this as soon as we're done on off the air tonight. Uh, I don't think I'm gonna be watching it twice tonight, but I'll definitely uh, check it out at least the. Uh, the most uh, I can to know before I pass out. Uh, no, I'm going to uh, bring this up next week, and we'll talk a little bit more about this other guy. Are you going to follow suit and actually uh, do some homework and watch yeah, this? Yeah, I'm going to do some homework, yes, absolutely. I promise you, you won't be bored. Another thing to keep in <laughs> mind is that if you all remember, Tom DeLong had promised after he won the UFO Researcher of the Year Award from Open Minds that he had some big things coming, mm-hmm. and, he had them, and he dangled the carrot. And people counted the days, and they counted the days, and it was late, and it was late. And then to the Stars Academy came. And at this presentation, one would have thought that we would see some sort of evidence, some sort of physical, tangible, as Ryan Wood used to say, hatch covers, nothing. There wasn't a video. There wasn't anything tangible. There was another dangling of the carrot telling us Mm -hmm. that there were going to be soon some videos coming that were real UFOs tracked by our radar facilities that tracked these threatening vehicles. It's a threat desk, apparently, (laughs) that he claims. And, of course, the guy in charge of that is on the panel. There was nothing presented at this except dangling of more carrots. To this day, we have seen nothing except this Rogan debacle and these sort of somewhat irate Twitter videos saying that people don't understand, they don't get it, uh, and I'm just waiting for him to throw uh, Corey Feldman on the board of directors next. Yeah. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Why not? not, not Why at, least, at least he's naming well, names. Well, Corey at least Feldman. Corey Feldman's <laughs> asking for $10 million to make a movie. That sounds about right. Tom yep. DeLong's saying, I just need 200 bucks. 
and they got $1.7 million, and he says he's going to travel interstellar. He's creating Star Trek on a very tight budget. Oh, boy. I mean, you can't even build one of the away shuttles for that kind of you know bread. I mean, let's be real. Why are these heavyweights looking <laughs> looking like fools on purpose? Why are these heavyweights who obviously have major security oaths that they've signed mm-hmm. and and all kinds of disclosure agreements, and why are they willing to talk now? Obviously, they have been something let out changed. of some of Something smells. Other I, I think they're being manipulated. And you know what? Going back to... Uh, Dan Aykroyd, you know, he also claimed to have footage of UFOs, and he was going to put something on some UFO over an airport, if I remember correct. And uh, he said he was going to put that out there, and that never came to fruition. So, I mean, this is not that far off from, you know, what we've seen already before. Now this is just at a new extreme, because he's claiming he's going to actually go to the stars. But again, if, if this is not Paul Benowitz all over again, if this is not Mirage Man, if this is something that it's a little bit closer to a soft disclosure, like you talked about earlier, Jesse, uh, the price of, of whatever they claim they're going to spend on this uh, ship, it doesn't matter because they might have uh, something already concocted from way, way long ago that they've already been, you know, having their hands on that they're going to use. And whatever money they raise is just, you know, for their pockets. Uh, you know, and not really benefit, not really going to benefit this, but, this project at all. Now, who are the people behind the scenes that, that would have their hands on this kind of technology? That's the question. Well, Ooh, one would think that some of the people behind, on this panel, one of the gentlemen, uh, mm-hmm. is a former head of Lockheed Skunk Works for over right. 30 years. There you go. Okay. Skunk Works is where it's at. If mm-hmm. he doesn't know about it, it doesn't exist. So this is hence the problem. Either you believe the UFO narrative that the government has been hiding secrets, wreckage, bodies, technology, whether it's the Corso story you believe in or whether it's just a straight up Wright Patterson story via Roswell. It doesn't matter. Either you believe that narrative for how many years now that is now trashed if you believe in the Tom DeLong new narrative, which is obviously none of that existed. Because these guys would have known about it. Do you see right. the problem here? No, I, I, I see think... the problem. But the but the thing is, if you're going to avoid full disclosure, but you want to get the technology out there, you would lie about how this technology came to be. But you're still using the technology that you got from what from whatever incident happened in the forties with Roswell. Interesting theory. Interesting theory. So and and you would say, oh yeah, that's all a lie. You continue that lie, but you want to get this technology out there because it it needs to already come out. So I mean, this is a way to have your cake and eat it too without gaining a pound. Yes, I mean, but why pick such a obvious person that would stain it? What because. What, because why, he's, what he's, a he's a tool. He's a tool. He's a Oswald. He's a tool. He's being used. If it doesn't work out, they can throw him away with the trash and move on, and nobody's going to know any better. They'll remember his face. They won't remember the other players. That's how, that's, that's how this works. Right now, for example, and I'm going to use a, a, a baseball terminology for everybody listening in. You have to dumb it down a little bit. The Miami Marlins just got sold from Jeffrey Loria to another uh, group head by a gentleman named Gary Sherman. Uh, Sherman. His, the face of the, of the group that actually bought the team is Derek Jeter, the former shortstop for the Yankees, right? Derek Jeter is a minority owner. He has maybe he put in like $20 million or $25 million of his own money to buy the team, and the team costs $1.4 billion. 
The rest of that money comes from the Sherman Group, okay? But when you look at the ownership group, and whenever they're talked about in the media, it's always talked about Derek Jeter's team. He has become the face of the group. In case this fails as, a, as an organization, they could buy out, the ownership could buy out of the team or, or leave or sell the team without doing damage to their brand. And the only one that stays as the face that fails is Derek Jeter. Nobody knows about, you know, the Sherman group. They only know about Derek Jeter. I see Jeter. the analogy. I still find it an incredibly that's, that's strange a, yeah, but well, I think that's might, might be what's going on here. They pick a person who people know, people like, for whatever reason, and they're using him to be this kind of scapegoat. If it works out, a you know he has another career in his hands. You know he's this guy who helped uh, bring all this amazing technology. If it doesn't work, he's just another idiot who came out and you know wrote a book. Nothing ever happened. Everybody walks away clean. Yes. I, I agree with everything you said there. I think it's very uh, intuitive, and I, I can't wait for you to watch the presentation and listen to the Rogan interview as a follow-up companion to hear your thoughts for sure. But I, I think mean, you're onto something. I mean, even if the guy sounds like a putz, which I, from you know what you're telling <laughs> me, it kind of sounds like we're, we're going to like watch a guy sound like a putz on Joe Rogan's show. Which, by the way, is easy to ha- that's easy to happen because Joe Rogan is a hell of a host, and he can make anybody sound like a putz. So he did a he did a fantastic job of keeping a straight face most of the time. Even Joe at some points made a, a some faces that you haven't seen Joe make in quite a while when interviewing something about somebody Whoa. about something serious. Quote unquote. Can't wait to see this. It, it, to me, <laughs> it's it is be interesting. It, it is definitely the strangest thing that has ever happened to ufology uh, in decades. Well. This is going to be interesting. I mean, look, at least it's something different, right? Yeah, well, yeah, because <laughs> look at it this way, guys. Let's look at the positive. Now, I've just gone off about this and trashed this for the past 20 minutes, and I, that's how I feel, and I stick to it. However, the alternative that we've spent now I, the past year talking about, and one of the reasons I finally had enough uh, was just interviewing frauds, fraud upon fraud, whether it was targeted individuals, whether it was um, uh, Gaia folks, uh, Sphere Being Alliances and David Wilcox and fake mummies and stuff that is still trying to get in. Hey, but I called the fake mummy. The, you sure did. Now, think about this. There wasn't much of a st- <laughs> stretch, though. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, this, it, it, it involved Jaime Musan. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think everybody rolled their eyes. However, yeah. think about this for a second. Think about the people that are pissed about this presentation and the impact it's had. For instance, a guy who thought he had the insider connections for years because of the Disclosure Project all of a sudden looks like Chicken Little, which is Dr. Greer. So when this came out, this presentation with the kind of board behind him that you're going to see, I don't know how Greer wasn't sitting there with his mouth dropped on the floor because that's very true. It's the only other person who has come out and trumped him and trumped him hard. Mm-hmm. He's not walking around telling everybody about the same uh, Woolsey dinner that he briefed Woolsey from the CIA, right? From the FBI, whatever he <laughs> was in head of. Uh, right. uh, you remember? And, yep. and this yep. the story he tells every time. He had dinner with him, and he briefed him on the subject. By the way, he denies it. Um, but 
those are the kind of stories that have just gone six feet under. They don't count anymore. This is a whole new bar. So the credit that we need to give is the fact that the bar has been raised at least and that Corey Good and all these other scam artists are just not important all of a sudden, which is terrific. And that ufology doesn't have to be focused on debunking them as a career to try to save this thing. Now, whether or not the DeLong thing is fact, fiction, as you pointed out, what's the agenda, who's really behind it, I would much rather spend my time looking at cool stuff like that. And I would much rather spend my time hearing what Robert Morningstar thinks about that Mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to don't you think Corey Good's a fraud? Don't you think uh, the mummy story was a fraud? Of course they're frauds. We all know this. But we needed some new meat. This is meaty, guys. This is meaty. And that's what I've got for this week, gents. Sounds uh, like a heck of a news uh, week there, Jesse. Thank you for uh, bringing that up to uh, us. Yeah, it's an understatement. Super uh, excited. Super excited. Super excited about the show tonight. I'm going to uh, definitely be watching, uh, you know, a lot of video after the uh, the show tonight. Um, wow. Now, uh, we're almost out of time here uh, before we go on break in, in about 12 minutes until we get our guests on. But we have a news bag segment. Uh, Jesse, I want you to stay with us so uh, you can join us on the news bag. Uh, this is actually a mailbag, sure. not a news bag. Uh, mailbag from our audience. This used to be called the, uh, you know, inside, you know, inside joke here. But this is at one point, Blast from the Blast. Yeah. We're no longer doing that. And, you know, I know the uh, the other guy was near when I announced that it's now just going to be called Mailbag. That's it, Skywatcher's Mailbag. You know, make it nice and simple, a little bit less stinky for those who didn't like the uh, the, the poop sounds. Were that many people really offended? I don't know if they were. Um, I'm, I really don't care, but it's just kind of annoying having to play it every time, you know, that I, uh, I beat something. So I was like, you know okay. what, I'm tired of playing right. it. So. You know, it is what it is, but uh, I do have a couple interesting uh, emails that I received, and I wanted to uh, get both of you gentlemen who are here with me, uh, get you uh, your opinions on each one of these, because one of them actually, uh, it's uh, something that just uh, recently uh, came up with uh, good old Dr. Stephen Hawkins, our good old doctor, and uh, you know, he's become all the, uh, uh, recently he's become like the doomsday predictor. It seems like don't contact aliens because if they come down, it's going to be like when white man came over and the Indians were here and we killed them all. You know, like don't don't do that. Well, now he's saying that in you know, what six hundred years the Earth is going to become a fireball. You guys heard about this? No, tell me no, more. No, but I agree with you. Uh, in in the past ten years, the guy has basically been uh, like dead doctor- on. Well, as you. Doctor Doom, member Mister Major Ed Dames, and yes. his solar flares. Yeah, and this uh, this is an email that came from a gentleman named Devon, and he wanted to know what, what's up with Hawkins and all the Dooms Doomsday predictions as of late. I mean, I personally, I don't know why uh, it's uh, all of a sudden he's come out with uh, all this negative stuff that could happen. I, you know, here's the thing with uh, especially the alien stuff. My theory is if a race of beings can come here from four, five, ten light years away. Like that split of you know of a second, or even you know faster than you know speed of light. Still, if it takes them a little bit, but if they can get here from there, I kind of doubt that they're going to be like uh, the type of, of beings that are going to want to kill us or annihilate us. I think they're they're probably past that stage, especially if you if you follow Dr. Michio Kaku's 
uh, evolutionary stage of a type 1, type 2, 3 civilizations, uh, after you reach type 1, you pretty much that you know, race of beings stop being warlike. You know, they're more scientific. And that's, you know, what we we're hope. trying to become. Yeah, well, that's what we're trying to become. Right now we're starting that stage where we, you know, we're at war with each other and at war with everything, which is probably why we're current, you know, currently quarantined down here by the aliens. They don't want us joining the uh, Space Brothers and blowing everybody into smithereens because that's what we would do, right? So I We're think such a very warring race. We're going yes, to wreck are, the stars. We are the Klingons of the uh, real universe. That's what we are. But... Without the uh, butt in the face. That's the thing we don't have. Uh, thank God for that. Uh, but, I mean, honestly, I don't think that if an alien race comes down here, they're going to be, you know, you know, just wanting to exterminate us. Unless they got to build a bypass, like in uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and we just never saw the memo that they put up on the intergalactic, you know, board or something, then maybe I could see that happening. That, but that's a more political. What do you guys think? Well... Uh- <laughs> Go ahead, other guy. <laughs> What's it take that I, <laughs> I just don't know what to say. Um, I think that, you know, it is a possibility that, you know, we'll end up with a more, you know, I like the metaphor he used that, you know, it's going to be like, uh, you know, the Europeans landing in, in, Amer- in the Americas and, you know, here, this is healthy, but it's really, this is going to keep you warm, but it has Ebola on the blanket. You know, <laughs> it, it it could get really bad really quick, but who knows? We, you know, you know, we could end up dealing with a, a very conquering kind of a race or alliance, or we could have a peaceful. We don't know what we're going to end up with, and you know, only time will tell eventually. Jess, I uh, don't believe in the concept, the belief system that uh, folks beyond our planet, just because they are beyond our planet, are smarter or uh, nicer or more evolved emotionally. Um, I've always felt that way. I think that's assumed. It's a God-type idolization with deities and going back to the, the beginning of time for humans. They want to worship. So the obvious uh, stance that outsiders and going back to DeLong, he alludes to the fact that uh, there's some not so nice folks out there, uh, which is interesting. Uh, I think there is going to be a potpourri and I think there is a potpourri good and bad. And I think the questions about why they are quote unquote, you know, leaving us be to a certain extent and operating either behind the scenes or not at all. Or not at all, which is obviously a possibility because we're not going to sit here and believe in folks that just want to say it's all happening in Antarctica. Well, that's really convenient because nobody can go there. So you can't go check out what's happening in Antarctica. Hence, let's use that as the place where everything's going down. It's where all the flat earthers are gathering for the seance. Ah, fantastic. So, yeah, that's the quick and dirty is that the the, the email question uh, why is Hawkins so hot on this? I think he's just down on humanity. I think he's disappointed like a lot of very intelligent folks. That you don't think he knows something we don't? I don't. I do not. I don't mm. think he knows anything more than you or I. In fact, he might know less in this uh, this genre, I would think. 
And I think it's just a disappointment in society as a whole. And I will say that after looking at how many people have died in this country at the hands of Americans in the past few months, you got to be thinking to yourself, wow, in 2017, I thought it was going to be a lot more sophisticated. You know, I thought we would have flying cars, you know, uh, yeah. Hoverboards. You yeah, know, you were watching Back goes. to the Future again. Yeah. I was. I love Part Two, and I thought that would come true. And then I'm looking around. I'm like, where the hell's the flying cars, guys? Hoverboards? No, nothing. The hell? Uh, there's so many, so many things when you think about it, and you go down, and you're like, wow, this is how I still get rid of garbage. You know, what this I'm is how I still drive. This is. How I'm waiting for the three the shells. I want the three oh, shells. Oh, I don't even want to know what the three shells are about. I never figured that out. I, 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 I'm scared to figure that one out. Three shells frightens me. Uh, now I have another question. This is from Lawrence, and uh, he wants to know, what would your first words to an alien be if you actually met one, guys? Um, other guy, you want to take that one first? Take me to your leader. Okay. Short and simple. Jesse? I think I'd be interested in some sort of exchange and to see if there was a, a, a world a little bit more suitable to uh, some of the aspects of uh, being humane to one another and, and, and perhaps if there was a different way of just living in general, whether it was you know how people lived in a trade economy or a resource-based economy rather than capitalism, if it was just so radically different uh, but yet still – hospitable and something that you would be interested in if there was a a way that there might be an exchange that i'd be interested in hmm. interesting but yeah. what would your first words be uh i think it would be a welcoming words you know, like like if we just met i'd say wow i'm so excited to finally have met you hmm there you go that's that's poetic thank you mine would Yep. If I had to say, uh, yeah, that would be it. Uh, it, it'll be tough for me, but uh, it'll be something like Mortal Kombat said has begun, or, uh, finish you know, him. Yeah, finish him. Uh, Quato. It, it, war is fantastic. You know, something like that. Where's Quato at? Where's Quato yet? <laughs> you know, no, I'm, I'm with you guys. You know, I would say something, uh, you know, poetic, something like that. I would, but it, it, more along the lines of, uh, uh, you know, is you know, life on other planets, uh, you know, different from ours here. And you know, have have you uh, been seeding planets? You know, I'll, I'll just get right into it and, and ask them if they've been seeding life in other worlds. If the, if this is part of the lore that we've been fed, is if it's if it comes from them, basically, if they you know fed our religious beliefs, that would be the first things I'd uh, like to ask them. Because to me, honestly, I think part of what we all believe as religion comes from the heavens and comes from the other you know, stars, and uh, it, it's a good possibility. That you know the Anunnaki maybe or another you know, race of beings actually seeded all these religious beliefs, and that's what we've been following for the last several thousand years. So I'd like to ask something like that. You know, did you guys seed religion on this planet? Did you put this here for us to like you know to go crazy over? Was this your doing? And uh, just start from there. Yeah, that's and then, a good one too. Then he'll probably shoot me dead and go to the next guy. Like, yeah, yeah. We, we want somebody with a little bit easier of a question. Like, hey, how's it going there, guys? You know, like something simple. It was a tough head. question too. Like, do you guys poop? Well, probably the greys don't. 
don't know how that works. Well, that's what I'm saying. That might be the first question. You guys poop, and then you can show them where the bathroom is. Yeah, or you can send them over to King Young Un, who apparently doesn't poop or pee either. Well, that's uh, you just brought something up. You know, I mean, that's a, that's the sad part about uh, who has been um, uh, uh, supporting us and uh, who has been the person in charge of. Uh, being the uh, being the one official, the ambassador to the, to the humanity uh, to talk Dennis to Rodman? And, Dennis and Rodman, and that's where Dennis Rodman, or, or, <laughs> or as we laughed about in the past few months, Corey Good, who uh, uh, people actually believe uh, was the sole representative uh, ambassador to the uh, blue avian uh, extraterrestrial species, and uh, and the question again would be like, why you? Right, <laughs> and and so that's that's the thing. That's the sad part is that if this is happening, as you have pointed out, uh, when they're coming here or there's first contact, what's the first question? Unfortunately, I think one of the first questions is not a question. It's uh, ammunition being shot at these things. Probably, that's the sad yeah, part. That, sadly, yeah, sadly, I think you're right. And, and once again, right. we are not being represented by people that we really want to be represented by. Whether or not you support one political candidate or the other, at the end of the day, you usually don't like any of them. This is very true. Uh, guys, we have less than 40 seconds, and I'm going to go to the last question here by Barbara. And uh, this is a very, uh, very easy one. Uh, it's simple yes or no. Should it suffice? And okay. I'm going to ask uh, Jesse here first. Uh, should they make a remake of Mac and Me? <laughs> Yes! Hell fucking yes! <laughs> Why not? Other guy, what do you think? Mac and me, yeah, I'd agree. remake. I'd agree, you sure, yeah, I could use a remake. Right? Yeah, make enough stupid ones. I just watched, uh, uh, I just wasted $40 on the Blade Runner sequel in 3D. Wow, what a piece of garbage that was. So, yeah. already, oh, wait, 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 Blade Runner's yeah. already, the new one is already out in 3D. Yes, I wasted yeah. three hours. It was in the theater less than three weeks ago. It, yeah. Horrible <laughs> it was film. That, it was that bad. Horrible film. Uh, and uh, as uh, far as I'm concerned, uh, yeah, Mac and me too. Go for it. Okay. We make Yay. Do it. We all agree. Uh, guys, uh, we uh, we got to go uh, to commercial break. When we come back on the second uh, part of the show here, the second hour, we have Agnos who's going to join us. And we're going to talk to him about his uh, work, his book, his uh, life in the paranormal, and everything that he believes is out there in the universe. It's going to be an interesting hour, so stick around. This is Sky Watchers Radio, and if you guys want to chime in, you can call in anytime, 786-245-8127. That is the call-in number. doesn't matter if you're east of the Rockies, west of the Rockies, or if you're a flea on top of uh, Uranus, you can call. As long as you have a dial, call in. <laughs> doesn't matter where you are. Even if you're festering over the wow. pool of rich. You call me. So lowbrow. Sometimes it goes so lowbrow. I got gotcha. you. Straight that's, to that's, the gutter. That's what I'm all about, baby. Skywatchers hey, Radio. Nam- namaste, gentlemen. Thank you. Hey, have a great night, man. Good show. Thank have you, Jesse. Good. You rock, sir. Take care. Take care. We'll be back, everybody.
professional consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions, providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology, preventative maintenance and networking support, hardware and custom built computers. Let key information solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call Key Information Solutions now. 954-973-3374. That's 954-973-3374. Or visit keyinformation.com. As well, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction. Are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. Supermanhomepage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. Supermanhomepage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the man. Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com. Have you heard Mac Maloney lately? In your military career, did you ever see anything that came close to an unusual UFO sighting or? No. Holy <laughs> That was the, yeah. Yeah. 10 seconds of... Uh, no. What are you that tra- was so convincing. Yeah. What are you trying to say there? Well, UFO is an innocuous term. That's the worst fucking denial I've ever heard. Unidentified flying Mac Maloney's Military X-Files, Friday nights at 11 p.m. Eastern on the public streaming radio network. Everybody, welcome back to a very special evening here on Skywatchers Radio with our guest, the one and only Mr. Agnost. And uh, he was born and raised in Northern Europe, so if he has an accent, bear with us. It's, it really is that He's not Hans, he's not Franz. No, 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 but he is uh, going to uh, tell us about his work, and uh, we're going to talk about the uh, universal consciousness, which is something I really want to talk about in. Uh, learn how to actually expand the power of our own minds because the other guy here needs it. I want it, and I think together we can control the universe with our minds and control our reality with our minds. And, uh, you know, all jokes aside, though, uh, this is a gentleman who I think uh, has a lot to, uh, to tell us which might enlighten all of us. So sit back, relax, guys. If, you're, if you have a little bit of tea next to you, you know, make sure it's nice and warm. You know, sip it. 
But put on the radio nice and loud and pay attention to what's going to happen for the next hour because it's going to be fascinating, guaranteed. Now, with that said, thank you so much for being with us uh, here on the show, Agnost. And uh, I love your name, by the way, Agnost. That's how you pronounce it, right? Ag- uh, actually, um, see, Agnost. It's Augie in the United States, anyway. Over there, it's a little different. You see, in Norway, we have three letters you don't have in the English alphabet. So Correct. I had to change things around to make it fit on the American typewriter. See, I, I was, I was going to go with Augie, but I was like, Agnost. It just sounds yeah. really, really cool. And it just sounds like very paranormal-ish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, it's, I've been but called I a lot of you, things. I can call you Augie, though, if you want Augie. That works fine. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to the show, though. Thank you so much for uh, you know spending spending time here with us and uh, gracing us with your presence. Uh, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. I know you've been uh, you know around for a you know a long time doing uh, your work uh, over a couple of decades now. But for the audience who might not be familiar with who you are, uh, enlighten us. Oh well, I guess I should start at the beginning. Um, I, I was born and raised in Northern Europe in Norway and uh, born on a farm over there. And, uh, you know, being the only son, you know, tradition says that you're supposed to become a farmer. Well, I did that and became an agronomist and uh, it wasn't my thing. I uh, So I, at 25, I left Norway and came to the United States to become a commercial pilot. And uh, I did that too. I uh, got my uh, commercial pilot license, instrument rating, flight instructor, instrument, multi-engine instrument, and instructor rating, and all these things that you're supposed to have to sound like you know what you're doing. And uh, a few years later, we started a flight school, myself and a partner, and I grew into an international air taxi and became a, an air carrier up in Minneapolis at Anoka County Airport uh, called Arrowhead Airways. And uh, I flew for 23 years, and, you know, it doesn't matter if you fly as much as I have when I log 10,000 hours of flight time, and uh, it, you burn out, and, uh, because I didn't okay. know, yeah, I, I, I burned out, and I became an accident waiting to happen, so I quit flying, and I started doing other things, and I, development of the mind, and paranormal research, I did some oil painting, and uh, just enjoyed life for a while, and uh, it lasted all of three weeks, I think. <laughs> and then <laughs> I started. That, I was going to say, wait a second. That's a, that's like a lifetime of work, and that, that was all done yeah. in three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I, what happened? Like, one day you woke up, you're like, "Well, I can't be a pilot no more, so let me paint." A couple yeah. of like about, about half an hour later, you're like, "This is boring." Let me go. <laughs> My goodness, I, I'm going to go do something else. Is that what that kind of what happened? <laughs> yeah, kind of. I, I needed to bury myself in something. So I started, um, uh, I met a guy in Omaha, Nebraska that was uh, teaching a mind development course. And it was a phenomenal course. It's, it, it, I, I went through the instructor's course and I traveled around the country teaching this course. And it teaches people how to assimilate information out of a book at 95, uh, 90 to 95% retention and um, photographic memory and things like that. So, uh, gosh, you know, I, I saw this and I said, wow, you know, what if kids were taught this in school? They'd be mental giants by the time they were 14 with a PhD. And uh, that's a little early to go into the uh, workforce. So they could get another PhD and a third PhD. By the time they're 22 and ready to go to work, they have phenomenal knowledge. Well, the uh, jobs program within the education system, they didn't look at this like 
they wanted it, so uh, it really didn't catch on that way. But um, the private industry is uh, going big time with it, and that's why private industry is really producing government, and education doesn't really produce much, as you mm. probably have figured out by now. Yeah. <laughs> Which in the long run, I mean, that, that's what we really want. And, you know, that's one of the things that uh, it's funny that we've been listening to, like, for example, Trump talk about recently, and not to get political, but, uh, and, I, and I agree with him, we need less government involvement and more, you know, private sectors yeah. uh, creating technology and doing things that are in the private sector, but here in the U.S., so it brings jobs to the U.S., it brings the economy, uh, you know, rises the economy in these cities. Uh, but, you know, we need private companies because that's what really makes the economy go. You know, yeah. The more government involvement you have, the less private sector you know things you have. Usually, that's not good for the overall economy, and that's you know one of the things that I believe you know we need as a part of the change overall. That it's been going reverse in the last decade and a half. Yeah, and that's why private industry latched onto this course. It's called Zox Pro Training. Wait, say that again. What's it called? Zox Pro Training, and uh, they're still mm-hmm. doing it uh, twenty years later here, and. Uh, Private industry is really uh, absorbing this, but uh, you know, otherwise they industry. I mean, government, and so they don't really care for it much. But um, it you can find it Z O X Pro Training, and uh, you can find them on the internet. But uh, I really loved it because I uh, I learned so much, and I could uh, go to the library, and uh, you know, in one evening I could read four books. So. Uh, it really blew people away what, uh, what they saw me do in there. But uh, that's, you know, that's just what the mind can do. So, mm. but, um, you know, this is more like a, a show probably on the paranormal. And um, what I mentioned you right before the show is that um, when I was 12 years old, I built a UFO detector. Yes. Hello? And, yes, let's talk about that. Yeah, and uh, it's so simple that a 12-year-old could do it. It's built around a compass. And you can go to the hardware store, and you can probably get the parts for it. The only thing you probably may not be able to get at a hardware store is a compass. But all the rest (laughs) of it you can get. And uh, that's something that uh, it works excellent. I had hooked up to a bell, and uh, there... um, the bell went off three times, and I saw things. Are you still there? Yeah. So what, okay. what did you see? It was just, no, I'm, I'm deep in, into your story. Oh, okay. What did yeah, you hear? What did yeah, you see? One of, the, one of the pictures disappeared on the screen as I got worried. No, the um, <laughs> when the um, bell went off uh, t- three times, one time I went outside, saw nothing because it was cloudy and... Nothing there. But uh, two times, uh, when I, one time I saw a really bright object that was sliding through the sky. Uh, and, you know, it's hard to see how far it was away because you don't know how big the object was. But uh, that was right. obviously not an airplane. So um, I had my binoculars out and I looked at it and they looked kind of big and oblong and uh, very bright. And it was just going across and from... Oh, probably close to about one horizon to the other horizon. It took maybe around oh, four, three, four, five minutes, something like that. It's, I don't really remember. The other time I saw a big triangular type of thing up there, and that was dark. And this was back in uh, 
Oh, let's see. Um, right about 1958-59, something like that. Oh, wow. So there was a so, long time. How, how old were you, you at the time you saw this? This was uh, your first sighting, right? Uh, that was probably about, uh, about 12, maybe 13 years old when I did this. Oh, okay. Yeah, wow. You know, it's funny. I had uh, a sighting when I was a kid also, but it was uh, nothing that graphic. It was just something I saw quick in the, in the sky. Yeah. Um, now, that was your very first sighting, and how did it, did it continue on? Did you have more and more sightings along the way? Yeah, I have. And uh, the reason this actually this device worked because I mm-hmm. I was figuring that anti-gravity or have them floating through the air had to be electromagnetic somehow. And uh, when I built that compass into it, I figured that there would be some ripples in the earth magnetic field that would turn the compass needle. And it did. So uh, when I turned the compass needle, it touched a wire that set off the electric circuit from a battery going through the bell, and there went the bell off. Uh, you can see on uh, on my website, uh, on page 17 of the uh, photo gallery, you can see a uh-huh. drawing of it. So maybe we should give them the website so people yeah, can go look at it. Yeah, let's give the audience uh, the website so they know exactly yeah, what Yeah, that's dot. A-A-G-E dash N-O-S-T dot com. And that's www.myfirstname dash mylastname dot com. And if you go to page 17 there, you can see a drawing of that UFO detector. Very simple to make. Wow. And you say it was... um not much uh, resources needed, right? Like a couple bucks? Uh, <laughs> 20, oh, yeah. Bucks. A battery is going to probably cost, set you back maybe 3 or $4. And uh, I'm sure you can get everything for 20 bucks. Wow. That's awesome. You know, now you just give me another project to work on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know you can do it. A 12-year-old could. So you, I know you can. Oh, man. You believe in me. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And um, actually... While we are on the website, I uh, on right on the front page of it, on page one, I have a NASA print of trees on the Mars. Oh, cool. I'm going to go ahead and uh, link the audience uh, that's listening in in the chat room to your website, just uh, in case uh-huh. uh, they didn't uh, get the uh, link properly, because I have a couple people asking me, he said it, but I didn't get it. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, link it to them real quick here, and uh, so they can follow them on, just follow. Yeah. Let me know what you if you need me to s- repeat it. And uh, let me see. That's the uh, proper link, right? Say again. That, that's it's uh, a a g. Yeah. W dot a a g e. And o s t. And a dash in the middle there, and then n n o s t. dot com. That's where people are having an issue. They're like, yeah, we forgot the dash. Yeah, yeah. They didn't get the dash. Okay, now we're all following along. Okay, perfect. The mysteries of the universe and its simplicity. There now, you, go. you know, it, what is the simplicity of the universe? Because it seems awfully complex when you look at uh, the the extreme amount of uh, galaxies and planets and solar systems and stars and 
you know, whether there is black holes or not, whether we're, we're living in a multiverse or not, it doesn't seem like it's very simplistic. So, uh, tell us, you know, what's simplistic, uh, the simplicity of the universe? What's that about? Well, how do we get there? Maybe, maybe the universe isn't exactly what we have been told it is. Oh, okay. I'm gonna look at this and I'm gonna have, uh, the, uh, excuse me. Have quantum physics to back me up in this. Uh, I'm going to ask you a question, and then f- first I'm going to set the stage for the question so you can eas- easily, excuse me, more easily uh, understand it. For the last 300 years or so, uh, science has been telling us that matter and energy cannot be created from nothing, right? Correct. And then we have a problem. We have the most brilliant people on the planet like Stephen Hawking out of Cambridge University in England and most other theoretical physicists. They are telling us that their equations on the blackboard using quantum physics show us that this whole universe was created from nothing. So if this whole universe was this whole universe was created from nothing. Everything in it was created from nothing. And you are in this universe created from nothing. What are you? Well, my uh, parents always told me you're always going to be nothing. No, no. <laughs> Maybe they were right. <laughs> it makes perfect sense now. I'm, not, I'm nothing. Yeah. We but are. I'm, but the problem but, is, too, that we look around and we see stuff. When you peel a yeah. potato and you cut yourself, boy, that hurts. <laughs> yeah, well, it's something there. And, and, uh, but, yeah. you know, here's the thing, though. There is more dark matter than there is, you know, regular matter in the universe. So, I mean, maybe in the overall scheme of things, you know, we're just a, a drop of, you know, cosmic dust in the dark matter. Yeah. But what we see around us appears, according to quantum physics, is that it's a mind-created illusion similar to mm. a hologram. Uh, let me run you another parallel yes. that actually will prove what I'm saying, and that is I'm a hypnotist, and uh, if I put okay. you in a soft soft chair, <clears throat> talk to you for 15 minutes, and told you that when you wake up, you will see an elephant standing in the room to you next to you, and when you woke up, you would see that elephant. You can reach on and touch the skin on it, and it would be rough to the touch, and you can hear the elephant. You can smell him. doesn't smell very good. <laughs> what just happened to your real world? You can see the elephant, but he's not there. Right. What happened? Well, in my mind, that is a real elephant. That's, it, that's the it, thing. It, it, you know, your reality is you know based on what your perception is at that moment and given the time. Exactly. So, and What's it can be shaped difference? however you want if you know how to shape it. Yeah, what's the difference... With you sitting right where you are right now, look at the microphone. What is the difference between that and the elephant? There is no difference. Because about it's both, about it. <laughs> both of them are mind-created because the universe outside of you is created as an outward projection mm. of the creative part of the mind, specifically the ego part of the mind. So let me ask you then: Are we living in a matrix? Then I mean, it's just absolutely, uh, the... absolutely. Now, when we say a matrix, are we're not talking about the human bodies and uh, you know, in in a case in a, a fetus-like position, just harboring for a battery power for some kind of a, 
mechanical being. I mean, when you say a matrix, uh, what exactly are we then? If this is not our reality, then exactly <laughs> what is it? Is it like the movie The Matrix, or is it something different? Well, They're just hinting at it? I mean, it is very much similar to a holographic projection. If okay. you uh, look at, you know, our government, especially the DART projects, they've been messing around with holograms since the early 1960s. In right, I, believe, I believe that, yes. Yeah, in 1962, they put a holographic projection over the Havana, Cuba harbor, hoping okay. that the people in Cuba would see that, and that holographic projection was Mother Mary. They were hoping that the people would turn on their godless government and overturn them, but that didn't happen, you know. So, But then again, the hologram that you're walking around in, Definitely. has had 14.7 billion years to perfect itself. Do you not think it would be a little more elaborate? You would think Fuck. at this point. Yeah, you would think. Yeah. Well, this gets into the perception angle, and now we can talk about uh, then what is reality. Is reality what we're being told? If that's not the case, then uh, is the biggest deception that mankind is facing, is this uh, that we're you know facing uh, a fake reality that we're in, and uh, then, uh, you know, what do you make of, of certain things like uh, the flat Earth? Could that be our reality? And everything else is a hologram in space. Well, the the majority of people uh, have a solid conception of it being round. Okay. So in, in, in my universe, the Earth is round. Okay. And if there's someone that has a different opinion, I, w- I wish him well. <laughs> <laughs> well. But how do we know? Uh, well, first of all, I know because I have proven it to myself, and there's a way that you can do that. Uh, in fact, I used to win <laughs> bets on that. Uh, when I was teaching flying in my early days in the United States, I um, sometimes made, made bets with people saying, uh, uh-huh. if I can show you the sun come up in the West, you owe me a bottle of scotch. And they jumped on that. So we got in an airplane, and right about the time of sundown, and we waited till the sun was down, and then I put the nose up and climb about a thousand foot per minute up, and the sun came right up in the west. The sun wouldn't do that unless there was a curvature to the earth. Okay. So, uh, of course, I got my bottle of scotch, and uh, I won the bet. But I uh, back then, you know, the flat earth, that was just laughed at everywhere. And now, of course, it's become a religion, so it's... Uh, That's a scary part. People are, uh, more and more people are jumping on the bandwagon of the flat earth yeah. uh, theory. And, uh, you know, when you watch uh, some of the documentaries on the Internet and you see some of the data they're putting out there, some of it is pretty convincing, Augie. I'm going to be honest with you. There, there's some stuff there that uh, really uh, makes you scratch your head a little bit. But look, if we, are, you know, going back to the question I asked you earlier, um, if you know, if we are living in a holographic universe, then you know, what exactly are we? Are we a race of beings on another plane of existence that are playing a video game? Are we, uh, you know? Just uh, the imagination of one being that is just playing a multiplayer game on his own. I mean, what exactly is the reality that we exist in that is causing this holographic universe? There is an intelligence behind it all, or you could say the computer behind it all. Uh, Some people call it God. Some people call it other things that has available this intelligence. And we have been given a... uh, 
a uh, kind of like a um, a spark of life that is part okay. of that intelligence, and that spark of life light uh, acts on its own and is given a perception of reality, and we create within the collective supermind or universal consciousness, there are some parameters that has been established in there for this regional space and earth and so on. So we are also playing in that. And we can create within that arena. So we actually create our own reality. And outside of the physical, uh, well, up and beyond the, the astral worlds, at least, in the spiritual arena, there is no space and time. So, with other words, there is no distance between the past, present, and future. It's all sitting in there, in that soup of creation, where we can concentrate and go there and latch on to something that we want to have to happen and we start pulling on that and drawing it back into physical reality, into that holographic existence that we are creating so there is a way that we can create what we want before we have to live it and, and this is one yeah. sorry, to cut you off, sorry to cut you off but you know it's funny because uh, it kind of it, it reminds me when when you say that um, it reminds me of uh, for example um, how can I how can I put this in a way that is uh, understandable for everybody um, this is almost a universe by design in other words um, so there, so there is a creator in this universe um, there is no free will. In this universe, it's a holographic universe, so we really don't know much about what the other side is. Correct? We don't know. Well, I mean, uh, is there an answer to then what is the other side? Is the other side like this side? It's a uh, that's where I, it kind of like boggles, you know. The uh, and this is where my question kind of like gets you know stuck at. Yeah, there is uh, what you're saying is basically two, except for one thing, and that is that there is a form of free will but that free will as is at the micro level not at the macro level where we are no, our hologram and I, I was i was hoping you would go there i was and thank you for going there because yeah. this, this kind of reminds me when you're talking about spirituality and the spiritual aspect of things it reminds me of quantum theory quantum physics yes. and string theory now is going to the microscopic level is that that going inwards to the other reality that is heaven or wherever you know you know the other side is well they had to give it a name 2000 years ago when you know the basically ignorant masses would accept it <laughs> so uh so it's no difference today the ignorant masses still accepts it <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah the, there is free will but it is not in the physical Okay. Your higher self is one word that can be used, or your spiritual body, or your higher uh, spiritual consciousness makes the decisions outside of the physical about what is going to happen, and then it feeds it into the physical and makes it happen. So there is free will, but not in the physical. It's only mm. outside of the physical, those 
are possible because of right. quantum theory says that in the physical there is really very little randomness. Right. If any. Yeah. So, well, that makes sense. I don't think anything here is just here by random chance. Yeah. I talk, very, I talk very much about this in my book on spiritual science and higher consciousness thinking. We're uh, in the... Go ahead. Yeah, I, I talk about it in there and uh, I lay out some scenarios and uh, some examples that uh, we have done some... Uh, there is some uh, experiments that show that time and space actually does not even exist. It is accessible and that reaches right into time travel. Yeah, right. space and time cannot exist if it's on the holographic universe. I mean, it, I'm yeah. Not, Again, at this point, what what exactly are we? Are we inside of a hard drive? And, and you know, here's the thing, Aggie. And uh, I've you know I've said this out loud, and I've talked to friends, and they've looked at me weird when I said it. But when you look at the human body, and you look at humanity, and you look at the planet, and you look at everything around us, it all seems like it's a machine. We look yeah. like a machine. We just we're made out of flesh and bones, right? But it works like a machine. You know, when you look at us on the inside, everything has a function. Everything does something that is structured to do. And if it feels like doing it, the entire body pays the consequence for it. You know, so it all, everything is depending on, on itself or on other, on other things as a symbiote. And I think that's part of what we're going to learn as a universe. We're all here as symbiotes because it is all part of one consciousness. Yeah. That's kind of where we're going with. We're all Absolutely. part of we're all part of this one main conscience, which I, this you know this might uh, you know again this, this is controversial, but one thing I've always said that if there was a big bang at any point, because I'm not 100 percent sold on any theory whether it's the big bang or religion, you know I'm I'm very agnostic. I like to believe there's something there on everything, and I like to hear everybody's point of view. Uh, but for example, if there was a big bang, my theory has always been was that there's this uh, conscious being. There was just traveling in the empty vast of space. There was nothing there, and it just got bored. And then it created everything. It's like, you know what? I'm bored, and it expanded into everything. And that's I, really the yeah. big bang. Uh, the, the, the Big Bang Theory is actually uh, pretty dead. It's, uh, it doesn't hold water anymore, but uh, at least in, in quantum physics. In religion, right. of course, you know, that's okay. That's The Big Bang was 6,000 years ago. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah, I don't know sorry, I had to go there. <laughs> but, um, no, the creation of the universe was one single particle of thought that entered this vibration and it thought, I wonder what I can create on my own. And bingo, from there on it all started. And, you know, this is a little, you know, a little philosophy here for you, but, you know, the Bible does say that God said, let there be light, and then everything came to existence, right? Mm -hmm. But just the, the, the point of him saying, or God saying, let there be light, yeah. he, he verbalized it. In other words, we're writing a wave, the wave of God's, you know, voice. That is, you know, the cosmic wave that we're writing, the, the actual, let there be light. Whatever that was, was the bang. Um, it was a silent bang, of course, if there ever was anything like <laughs> well, that. Well, it was in space, yes. Yeah, so nobody heard yeah. <laughs> but Which is like the know. whole uh, theory about the tree. If it falls in the woods and nobody's around here, it doesn't make a sound. 
Yeah, yeah, I know that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love, I love talking to guests about, you know, stuff like this because, it, you know, and I'm not a scientist by any means, but I do love science and I do love religious, uh, you know, stuff and uh, religious works. And you know, I've gone through the Bible, the Quran. Uh, I had uh, a friend of mine who was uh, really heavy into uh, Judaism and, and he, you know, taught me about the uh, the Jewish Bible and, uh, yeah, I, I, I like to dabble in a little bit of everything, Aggie, and uh, you know, it, it always you know fascinates me when we get into the, like a, a, a point of uh, conversation where we can almost connect religion and science, and that's kind of what we're doing here because again, we're connecting, you know, uh, not even so much religion but a higher consciousness and you know a spirituality point of view, a, almost connecting it to high science, which is string theory. And you know, you know the extreme microscopic universe that is out there. Boy, you're on the right track there because there will be a day, mm-hmm. uh, not even there yet, but there will be a day when religion and science will live under the same roof. I believe that. I yeah. totally believe that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you want to know about religions, and uh, then you need to go back to the origin of it, where it come from. Like for Christianity, uh, mm-hmm. we got to go back to 325 in Constantinople, Turkey, or Nicaea back then, and find out what happened at those church meetings that lasted for a while. They went through 9,000 scrolls and, and uh, old text, chose what they liked, and then they uh, destroyed the original and rewrote it and called that the original again. It's right in their own writings. Um, mm. You can probably get your hands on the notes from those meetings and you read it. And uh, uh, I don't even know what to call it because it was created on a order from Emperor Constantine. He was okay. looking. Yeah, he was looking at the, the Jews, and he saw so much unity in their religion and how they lived. They never fought among each other, and he wanted that in his empire because he had fights everywhere on the borders of the Roman Empire. So he ordered 223 people to go to Nicaea and create a religion. And this is. Actually, the words he said, go to Nicaea and create a religion that will unite my empire and do not emerge before you have done so. They went to Nicaea and they spent a good long time there and they made the religion. And I know I'm not going to I'm going to upset some Christians here, but uh, they need to get their hands on the writings, and those are not easy to find because uh, they're usually taken down if they show up anywhere. But right. I know two places that have them. You can contact um, where I got uh, before I left Europe. I read a transcript of it, and I got that from University, an uh, Oxford University Press Library. Mm. They have a copy. Also, you can find a copy at the Topkapi Museum in Istanbul, Turkey. Obviously, it was in the city there. Right. So those two, you can get a copy. And uh, the one coming out of uh, Turkey, you probably, uh, I don't know if they have an English translation for it. I have not seen it, so I don't know. You may find it in French. If you speak French, that'll be all right. Uh, Otherwise... Yeah, so otherwise, uh, the one from the Oxford University Press will probably do the job for you. And when you see that, you're going to find out what the Christian religion is. Oh, it's a, it's a crazy religion. Oh, boy. Uh, a lot of it comes from paganism also, a lot of the uh, Christian uh, beliefs. Um, 
which uh, yeah, that's a whole other show in itself. Uh, yeah. But I, let me ask you this though, and uh, let's go back to the heavens here. If we're living in a holographic universe, or if we're living this uh, existence uh, that is not real reality, um, what do you think of people that have abduction scenarios with uh, aliens? And what are these oh. aliens? Oh, it's all part of the hologram. So they're part of the, uh, the matrix. Oh, absolutely. Everything that you see and experience and learn and, you know, so it is part of the holographic experience because your mind have created exciting things for you because this is the ego part of the mind that is creating most of what you see. And uh, that's why when you get spiritual aware, you lose a part of that or the big part of that ego in you and then you start seeing things you start hearing things you start experiencing things that has totally different vibrations to it than what you find in the physical reality i've been meditating since i was probably around i don't know 1920 maybe something like that pretty much every day and uh, i tell you when you do that you start having experiences. You start seeing things. You start hearing things. Um, there's one experience that uh, I once in a while I talk about it on shows like this, and uh, I don't really care what people think. I'll, I can tell you anyway. I was sitting in in uh, meditation, mm-hmm. and I started getting flashes, you know, eyes closed, getting some flashes of light coming in from the periphery of my field of vision behind eyelids there, and they were going into center and start building up bright lights behind closed eyelids. Mm. And then I start seeing things in it. And there was this floating soup of ideas, inventions, people, planetary objects, and everything was there. And it reminded me of something that Nikola Tesla said. Uh, He said, I saw the past, the present, and the future at the same time. I had a download of what the universe was like, both in concept and detail, and it was basic full understanding. So so when you say you had a download, explain to the audience exactly what you mean by that. uh, It was a spiritual or mental or uh, holographic download of information from that universe, uh, the universal consciousness. Okay. And uh, it showed me what the universe was. It showed me how it was started. It showed me what we are and it showed me uh, pretty much everything. And I still remember a lot of that. So how far, After, how, how far am I with the whole uh, Big Bang being just a uh, universal conscious that just got bored? Uh, the Big Bang was just an invented term. There was uh, somebody that just came up with that because he thought it sounded cute, and they, everybody <laughs> latched on to it. So there was no bang, so to speak. There was that one single particle of thought that entered this vibration and uh, thought, I wonder what I can create on my own. And then he started creating, and what he created grew and grew and grew, and uh, it grew very fast. Because these things, or these, this thought, the particle of thought, was not limited by time and space. Mm. So what they created was the whole 
or that part of the universe. And now every time we think of the universe that we create it again. But if it's just like the scientific experiments now done in quantum physics is that they say the mind of the experimenter or the one who's doing the experiment is just as important as the right. experiment itself. You know, Ali, it, it almost sounds like we're actually just living in the uh, mind of God. Absolutely. We are living right there. That's and because all, we, we are part of God. We're writing the neurons in the uh, brain of God. We're in, yeah. we're in the brain of God. That's what it sounds like. Uh, now, where you know, we're playing God ourselves, you know, and we're you know working on uh, cloning and uh, artificial intelligence and all kinds of things. And you know, we, we like to uh, tinker with reality. And um, you know, we, we've got the uh, hydrogen collider we, you know we're always trying to manipulate you know matter and space and trying to you know to find out what the answers to to the universe uh, you know artificial intelligence is you know is one thing that a lot of folks are scared of uh because the ai could you know turn on us for example um do you think that might happen at all and do you think that that's kind of a gradual uh, you know evolution for mankind in this holographic universe we may or we have to make some decisions about the future of AI. Otherwise, it could very well go bad. There are whole planetary systems out there where the only life there is, is AI. And it is not a good thing because they, uh, they do not have emotions. They do not have some of the capabilities that we do as uh, with our brain. So uh, it can go really bad here. And I think some of our scientists now, they're starting to look at this and say, you know, we got to put some safeguards in place for some of the developments within uh, robotics and uh, androids mm -hmm. and so on. But, you know, that's going to be only so good for the outwards consumption of public because the black projects of government, they're going to laugh at that and they're going to make their own. And they're doing that already. They're doing that They're now. Doing, if you, yeah. yeah, if you look at Japan and a lot of these countries uh, overseas that are, have been working on uh, you know robotics and, and artificial intelligence for the last you know fifteen twenty years, yeah. and with the rapid advancement in computers and technology, I mean we're not that far off from having a working C three PO or two D two something that's completely artificially intelligent and could walk around and have a conversation with you and be you know a being that's sentient in, in the sense. Um, 20, well, year, not, 20, year, yeah, tw 20 years from now, you're going to have uh, androids walking down yeah. the street next to you, and you'll never know it. Hell, I, uh, I got up you one right now. I think we'll probably have a few right now walking down the streets, and we just have no <laughs> idea. The test models, actually. Because remember, they, they don't just put this stuff out there. They test it for years before it's actually in the marketplace. Yeah. Yeah, so, they do. <laughs> I'm telling you. That's uh, scary. Some, of, some of these guys on CNN... Mm -hmm. Robots. All of you. It wouldn't surprise me one <laughs> bit if they were replaced. In fact, they probably should be replaced. Amen to that. Yeah. Uh, no kidding. So this uh, book you've written, is this uh, the first book that you've written? Or have you, or have you, yeah, uh, uh, well, I got, a, I got another one too, but um, the uh, spiritual science, higher conscious thinking, and how to access the universal consciousness. In the book there, I, uh, I teach people how to use their mind because we've never been taught how to use it. 
Uh, I have an analogy on that, and that's very simple, actually. If you took Mr. Average right off the street, mm-hmm. took him into a Boeing 747, stuck him in the left seat, the captain's chair, that is, on, uh, on a Boeing 747, told him, let's go flying. He wouldn't have a clue. He'd be looking right. for 20, mi- 20 minutes just to find the electrical master switch. But if you gave him a year's worth of training, put him back in the chair and say, let's go flying, he could take us flying. It's right. the same same thing with our mind. We've never been taught how to use it. That's what Soxpro uh, training does, and that's what the book that uh, I wrote have in it. It teaches you how to use your mind so you can do amazing things with it. And um, that's, it's, that's why it's catching on so good because people – I get emails from people, well, not necessarily every day, but very often – they are one lady. I'm going to give you this quick example. She had okay. been trying to sell a house for probably about three to four years. Uh, she she got the book and she started using the programming in it, and within two weeks the house was sold. It because oh, wow. you reach into this universal consciousness and you reach in there and search search for a match of vibration and you start pulling it back into the physical reality and it shows up in a roundabout way not necessarily from where you think it may come but just come from other directions now in in a sense are we talking about you shape your own reality in other words if you yep and we're talking about this is going even beyond the secret for example which is the law of attraction uh, yeah. This is actually you physically manipulating your own reality and shaping it to what yeah. you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Oh, hey, there's a good example. Uh, uh, you in Florida, right? That is correct, yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, there were uh, this uh, hurricane that uh, I think it was a hurricane uh, five oh, yeah. coming across Cuba. Mm-hmm. And it was heading straight for Florida. And um, George Nori on Coast to Coast AM, he told his listener, let's visualize this hurricane fizzling out before it hits Florida. And what was it when it hit Florida? A one. Now we're talking about Hurricane Irma? Irma, yeah. yeah. I, I, got, I got one better for you. Yeah? Um, Hurricane Irma was coming. I, I live, by the way, in uh, near the Keys. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. very f- far south in uh, Florida. I'm on the east coast of Florida. Hurricane Irma was, uh, you know, really tagging over Cuba uh, yeah. to the point where we, it looked like it was really captured by Cuba's landmass and the gravity was pulling it in. So as it was going more westward, I figured this is not going to go up and hit us on the east coast. This is going to go to the west side. It's gonna. And I've I've lived through this several you know, for several decades now. So just by the trajectory of where it was going, I figured that's what it was going to do. Plus, here's the kicker. And uh, this is, you know, uh, this is completely true. Uh, my mother's name is Irma Orta. Irma oh. is her name. My mother passed away last year in March of cancer. Yeah. And uh, and I, I, I said, there's no way karma or the galactic universe or anything in space and time is going to have my mother's name be associated with a hurricane that destroys my city. It's just not going to happen on my or the home I live in. So I kicked it back when the hurricane was passing by. Uh, I had friends of mine who, uh, true story, were calling me saying, uh, Angel, we got to get out of town, man. It's going to be horrible. The hurricane's going to destroy everything. You're going to be one of these guys on the roof of this house begging for help. Don't be that guy. You know, come on. Get out. Let's get out of here. 
I slept through most of the hurricane. Uh, yeah, I'm not even gonna lie to you. I was not worried because there's no way my mother would do that to me from the other side. And I think the the reason that it became a category one is because I have protection from above. I think there was a lot of protection. You know what I'm saying? That's what I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, and that's I that's to, the power of the mind. Yeah, I said that story. I said, you, you know what, guys, I'm not worried. Yeah. You were totally convinced in your heart that this were not going to hurt you. Mm-hmm. I'd be amazed what can happen when you have total conviction and intention like that. Now, th- this is uh, the crazy part. We lost power for one day. Mm-hmm. Okay, and the power came back. We had internet a few days later. Everything's good. We really, nothing happened in my neighborhood. Nothing happened in my, in my city. You know, everything was really, really, uh, you know, well off, you know, we didn't have major damage. My friends who left to go further north, uh, a few of them were actually stuck in the roof of their house. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Um, oh. like three or four days after I had power and I'm here watching TV, like, you know, I'm, I'm relaxing, right, with the AC on, full blast. And, uh, I got a text saying, are you okay? And I replied back, yeah, I'm fine. Uh, I then sent a picture of myself, you know, hanging out on my couch. Um, you know, Hanging out. I'm talking about I was living good. And uh, my friends, are they, they sent me a picture back, and it's them on the roof of their house. And uh, the, the house was flooded. The first floor was all flooded. The second, they had a two-story house. The second floor was okay. Uh, but they were, like, actually hanging out on the roof, and they were showing me photos. And I was like, and you guys wanted me to go with you? Man. They took off to Fort Myers. Yeah, a couple of my buddies, and uh, they were like, come on, man, you got to go with us, man. You, get, you cannot stay behind. Now, there were like five or six different people that asked me to go with them, and they all ended up being stuck for days where they went. And here I was. I said, hey, I'm going to sleep right through this. Don't worry about it. I'm good. Nothing yeah. happened. That's the power of the mind. That is the power of the mind, my friend. It, it truly, yeah. truly is. So... This is your first book now. Are you, uh, uh, how many books do you, do you plan on writing? Because I could read them all. And I, and I plan on reading this uh, book, by the way. I'm going to order I, it. I wrote, read it. One, uh, I wrote another one that is um, called Universal Success Principles and How Billionaires Think. Oh. I've been, I've been very lucky. I'm on first name with three billionaires. And by the way, only one of them, I think, got a college degree. And, uh, I've been able to pick their brain and uh, associate with uh, these people. So I uh, assembled a lot of that and I put it into this book. And uh, there's some. R- there actually is a billionaire's club, but not the one that people know about. Oh, I believe there, it. Yeah, there is. Uh, these people, they think different. They have learned that uh, there's two things that go to the bank. One of them is money, and the other one is goodwill, and they have equal value at different times. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, the mastermind principle is becoming very prominent in their life. That is, when two or more minds are united in harmony, they create a third mind that has the mind power of the two or more of them multiplied by each other. That becomes extremely powerful. I'm gonna have to uh, rehear this part of the show to get all that, but uh, yeah, that's deep. That is, uh, I'm writing about the the principles of these uh, ultra successful people, their habits, and uh, their mind techniques and things like that. It's all in there. So uh, right. I don't think there's a book other other book like that one. 
definitely not. I, I, I love billionaires, uh, for one. Uh, speaking of billionaires, one of them wouldn't be named Trump, would he? No, no, I don't know him. <laughs> I've never met him, so. Well, but, what's, what's your thought of uh, Donald Trump in uh, his presidency? I um depends on what you listen to. If you listen to the five o'clock news, he's a scoundrel. But if you get if you get your news on the internet, uh, he's now starting to. Uh, there, you watch for the next two to two, three weeks. There's going to be a lot of shit coming out of the swamp in Washington. Oh yeah, yeah. And it is already uh, twelve sealed indictments on the table. There was a uh-huh. secret uh, uh, secret grand jury, and uh, it's it's coming down. So uh, you just watch and see. He has abided his time because he didn't have the momentum behind him before. I think now, at least, he believe he have the momentum of a lot of people out there that mm-hmm. supporting. Uh, cleaning up the swamp and uh, watch the, the the leftists and the terrorists. They're going to shake in their boots. And I'm, when I'm saying sh- uh, terrorists, I mean the people working in Congress. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, and, and not only that, I was watching a, a report about the recent shooting and uh, a lot of the mass shootings that have gone on over the last uh, couple of years. And there's one common thread, and this is, uh, it, it blew my mind. Uh, they're all Democrats, all these shooters. They're all yeah. associated with the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. Isn't that funny? Like, yeah. It, the the yeah. folks who want to take away the guns are the ones that are doing all the shooting. Like, yeah. Comedy, the comedy doesn't write itself, folks. It really doesn't. It's just... It's, it's yeah, <laughs> it, it's it just blows you away if you start looking behind the you know the the curtain. It's like uh, Northern California had all these uh, fires here about a month ago, and now I'm finding uh, videotapes of huge laser beams that is thicker than a you know a, a man coming mm. right out of the sky and igniting fires on the ground. Wow, are you serious? Yeah, I uh, I have it on my Facebook page. You can go back there. I think it's about seven or eight uh, posts down. You can see those videos, and they. Uh, another thing is that um, there you have houses that is all burned up, and the uh, they melted the rocks around it. Fly, fires don't do that, and right. cars are burned up, and they melt the rims of the wheels. Wow! Yeah, that's yeah, that's not broken a fire. Yeah, because aluminum melts at 1,200 and some 40 degrees. If it's an alloy, it could be up to 1,500 degrees. A regular flame will never get above 950 degrees. It cannot melt aluminum. Well, you know, this is also similar to like 9-11, for example, with the way the towers came down and yeah. uh, the material that was used there. But let me ask you a question. I mean, and this is something that I truly believe might be part of the cause here. Do you think part of the, the issue we're facing with uh, all this is the influx of the amount of uh, Muslims that we've had in this country over the last decade, over the last eight years in, in general, really? And, I mean, look, other countries are taking in a lot of Muslim immigrants also, and they're not doing too well either. Paris uh, regrets it, let me tell you. A lot of these yeah. countries out there, they regret taking all these Muslims in because it's become a major issue, and they've had all kinds of things happen that they've never had before happen in the streets with riots and and uh, people uh, breaking and looting and, and doing all kinds of crazy things. And that's starting to carry over here now. 
Well, look at um, I read for you know I can understand six languages, so I read foreign newspapers all the time. And Sweden right now is a war zone. They right. uh, say in the paper one out of ten women have been assaulted sexually or physically assaulted by an immigrant. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just uh, and you see there they have uh, in uh, two weeks ago they had eight bombings in Sweden in twelve days. Now because, think about that. We're talking about Sweden, folks. I yeah. mean, when, when I mean, when you think about Sweden, do you think about bombings and and this kind of uh, thing happening over there? That's not what you think of. No, you think about beautiful blonde girls. That's right. You know, I'm, it's, Yeah, it's supposed to be the utopia of the social uh, environment of the world. Well, not anymore. No, no, it's it's uh, it's crazy, and I hate to sound like you know bigoted, but I mean there that is a trend, and uh, you know let's be honest, out of all religions, uh, that is one that when you go extreme, and a lot of these folks do go extreme on that religion, it it gets dangerous automatically. I mean, it's not uh, if or when or, or possibly it goes extreme and it goes dangerous and it spreads, and you know for example, we're seeing some of our own you know. I guess you could say foreign terrorists uh, that have done some of the shootings recently. Some of them that are American, are, are white Caucasian. Uh, but again, these are folks that are dealing with uh, being uh, part of a culture that is kind of like brainwashing them, in a sense. Uh, yeah. We see it with Colin Kaepernick, for example, the football player. Uh, the reason he started doing what he did, what he started kneeling, is because he started dating a girl who is a Muslim, and oh. she's the one. She's the one that got into his head. Remember, Colin Kaepernick, and this is something that folks don't know. Um, he, yes, his mother was white, his father was black biologically, but nobody knows who his father was. Never met the guy. Okay, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a chance he could even be Hispanic. She said nobody really knows, but he was adopted by a white couple. Mm-hmm. He was brought up as a white child. There's pictures of him as a, as a kid. He looks very much like a white kid. And early on in his football career, there was never any signs that he was uh, a militant or he was pro, you know, any movement or anything. He was just a regular guy playing football. As soon as he started dating this one female, I forget her name, but she is actually part of the Black Lives Matter group, and she is Muslim as well. And as soon as he started dating her, the Afro came out. He started, you know, letting his hair grow. He started getting all the tattoos. Next thing you know, now Colin Kaepernick is kneeling instead of standing for the flag. Which, if you're going to protest something, you know, we have the right of freedom of speech. You can protest and do whatever you want. You know, my thing is always do it on your own time. Don't do it when we're, you know, going to watch the sporting events. That's There's no time for that during, yep. you know, that event. That's just my personal opinion on it. Uh, but all this behavior came out because of who he was associating with because that's the kind of stuff that happens you know we usually tend to accommodate our lives and become who we associate with and we kind of like mold into that crowd and if that's the influx that's coming in brainwashing happens very easy oh yeah it was her agenda that it was imposed on him in one way or the other correct that's yeah. what I think happened. Um, unfortunately, we're, all out of, uh, we're completely out of time here, uh, Aggie, and uh, and uh, it's been just a fun hour, man. It just it flew right by. Yeah. Um, once again, it's uh, tell the audience uh, the website is uh, 
give the uh, URL for the website. And uh, I want to, if you have anything that's coming up that you want to promote, I want to give yeah. you the, uh, the floor so you can tell everybody where you, know, you might be at, if you have any events coming up. Anything you want to uh, go ahead and promote, go ahead and take a couple minutes here to do so. Okay. Uh, if you go to my website, then uh, you can go into the um, the picture gallery, and you I have 3,000 pictures that you're not supposed to know about. So uh, have a blast in there and look at it. Also in the blogs, I have a lot of radio shows in there speaking about some of the things we talked about uh, today or also – uh, in the blogs, I have um, access. You can access the book that um, the spiritual science, higher conscious thinking, and how to access the universal consciousness. And uh, that's where you will see how you can really develop your mind into something that is uh, much more than you have right now. And you can start programming for things to happen. And also the other one on the billionaires that uh, is also there. And uh, just uh, just look around and. Um, have a blast at it. I am not really doing any functions right now, so uh, that's probably uh, nothing to talk about there. I'm just uh, doing shows, and and uh, I do take uh, – I have people calling me from time to time, so you can find me through the website for that too. So uh, I do talk to people. Algie, it's been a blast, my friend. Thank you so much for joining us tonight on the uh, show here and uh, being a part of the uh the Skywatchers family, and I look forward to talking to you again and bringing you back on. I mean, I really had a good time with you tonight. I really All did. right. Me, yeah, we went into every corner of the universe just about. Uh, the only problem <laughs> that it's probably round, right? <laughs> Most likely, yes. Most likely it is round. <laughs> I, I, let's just say that there's still that one percentage, maybe, percentage, one, maybe two percent. Could be flat. You never know. But uh, again, guys, uh, thank you for listening in tonight. And uh, for the other guy who had to, uh, you know, jump out early, he had a little technical issue, and uh, we gives him a shout out. He came in late and he left early. That's kind of what he does. And he's not even Cuban, Aggie. It's it's crazy. I mean, I get away with it because I'm Cuban, and I will say I'm Cuban. You got to cut me some slack if I'm a little bit late. But he's not even Cuban, and he does that to me. It's it's an amazing yeah. thing. Uh, but uh, for the other guy, for uh, Jesse Randolph, who was here earlier with the news, uh, thank you, Jesse, for being a part of the show. We got great shows coming up, including uh, Grand Cameron, who's going to be with us in a couple of weeks. And uh, man, it's going to be a fun, fun uh, next few weeks. Uh, we're going to have Robert Morningstar to talk about the, the JFK files coming up soon. There's a lot to talk about there, too, Aggie, and uh, I think you're uh, probably interested in checking out all the uh, data that's going on with the uh, JFK stuff. So, uh, Oh, that's, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a whole heap of another show right there. Uh, guys, uh, stick around here on PSN Radio and on Blank Swamp Digital Radio, and uh, keep listening to the uh, shows on both networks. And uh, like I always say, keep your eyes to the skies, everybody, because one day you might actually see something. You never know. Yep, do it. <laughs>